Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the 4Q podcast. I'm so happy that you are here. For those who are new here, I'm Sheena. I've got a Bachelor of Psychology, a Master's of Counseling and a Master's of Social Work. And in today's episode, I chat to the psychologist Anna Catton. Now, Anna is absolutely amazing. You're going to hear her story and her decision making on how she went from a stressed, not herself, not aligned marketer in her home country or Colombia for a blue chip company. You know, she was in the big time to making the decision to move to Australia and become a psychologist. You know, I'm always curious on the story behind the story. So you're going to get to hear that with Anna and hopefully you can pull some wisdom out of this. Now, again, for those who are new here, our 4Q podcast follows the same four questions and it follows the same outline as our online courses. So we have a special 4R formula that we use, which is reflect, redefine, redesign, and then realign. And so I'm going to tap into these four areas with Anna to see how she did each of these to have the the life that she has now. So let's jump into it. I hope you enjoy today as much as I did. Hey, I'm Sheena Shuey. I'm a registered social worker and host of the 4Q podcast. I'm passionate about normalizing, not pathologizing life, and that's not easy. So each episode, I have amazing guests on to share the messy, beautiful ups and downs of life in four key questions with tips and tricks along the way. There are moments in life where you can embrace your story and understand that it's okay not to feel okay sometimes. So let's get into it. This is the 4Q podcast. Hey, Anna, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me on Zoom today. (laughs) No, I really appreciate it, especially being one of our first guests. You know, um, some of the guests coming on actually haven't heard what this podcast is going to be like. So thanks for taking that uh, risk with me and trusting me today. No worries. (laughs) So... For our audience who are going to listen to you, I'm just going to do a bit of a bio on you. So for those, obviously, who don't know you. So you're Anna, you're a proud mother of two wonderful boys, um, happily married to a wonderful man. You're a psychologist. um, You love music. You're a foodie. You're a dog fan, as am I. (laughs) Uh, Fitness fanatic. And your love language, because I asked you this before, uh, is quality time and physical touch. Interesting. That's good. Yep, that might be the the Latin, the Latin genes. In me. We're very physical in the Latin culture. So yeah, yeah, that's true, true. So um, yeah, physical touch is one of mine as well. It's my secondary one, and I think it is that collectivist culture coming through. So um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about what you do and a couple of the identities that you have. Okay, so. I have been living here in Australia for um, 13 years now, but I'm originally from Colombia, South America. Um, 
I am a psychologist, like you said before, and I have been a psychologist um, for just over 10 years. So I did study psychology in my 20s, but I decided back then that I did not have the personality for it or the tolerance for it, I guess. So I went um, on a different direction. I did finish my degree, but I did another degree in marketing management. And that's what I did for 10 years um, of professional life. And then something happened when I had kids in my 30s and it just shifted my whole um, mentality, I guess, about what I was doing for a living. And I just felt this need to do something, what I felt was more meaningful. And that's when I reconsidered psychology as a profession. And I then did my accreditation here in Australia and I have been working in the field since then. I love Australia. I think of Australia as home, even though Colombia is home as well. Australia has been a very welcoming country. So I, yeah, I love living here, love everything about the culture and the lifestyle. And I love my work-life balance at the moment. I think that's one mm -hmm. of the things that's happiest that I can be a mom to my kids, um, but I can also enjoy what I do for a living without it having to consume every hour of the day for me. Um, like you said before, I love dogs. Dogs are my favorite. I think being any animal, but especially dogs, I guess because we're closer to dogs. Um, but being in the presence of an animal, I just think that um, you just feel it. It's just transforming, calming. It's, it's an amazing feeling. So yeah, I enjoy going out with my dog, going on really long walks with her and meeting her doggy friends. <laughs> I love food. Um, food is one of my life pleasures. Cakes in particular, love eating cakes, but love trying new foods of new cultures. And, um, and um, a recent thing for me since I turned 40, um, I mean, I'm 45 now, but since I started, you know, in my 40s, um, exercise, I love for exercise. So I've never really liked exercise, but something again shifted. So I guess my 40s have been another shift. Um, <laughs> Um, in the way that I see life and I look at things. And so that's a new, a new thing for me. I love doing exercise. Yeah. Oh, well, fantastic. So that is, I, I guess for people not who don't know you, I, one thing I really want to say about you is that you're one of the most level-headed, grounded people I've ever met. And yet you don't acknowledge that about yourself. So first of all, I want to acknowledge that, but I guess what we're going to get into, I guess, in this in this podcast uh, episode today is around, it's funny because when I've told you that and I've told you some of my experiences and times when I felt sort of overwhelmed or whatever, I remember you saying, oh, Sheena, when I was in Colombia, I was a different person. I was just, you know, this, uh, you just, you just told me things about yourself and I'm looking at you going, that's bull like this calm collected person intelligent in front of me surely there could not be that way so um i guess that's what we're going to go into now is redefine so we're going to jump into this section now so um so redefine so tell me you know this podcast really is about understanding where 
you know, defining moments in people's lives, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, <laughs> all of that. So can you tell me maybe like a hard moment that changed things for you that sort of redefined your new perspective or meaning in the way you see things? Hmm. So I guess um, before I answer that, going back to what you were saying about me being a different person, yes, I was a totally different per person. And now with the, the knowledge that I have now, because back then I didn't know any of this stuff, but being in the field of psychology, I have acquired a lot of um, information and knowledge that I, I didn't have back then. In my 20s, I was a very impulsive, very um, quick to anger person. And I guess I'm very anxious, I guess, as well. And now looking back, I can put it down to several factors. So obviously, I was much younger. And we know that when we're younger, our brain isn't probably fully developed yet. So that kind of fits. But also having grown up in a culture where... Um, there's a lot of, um, I guess, crime and violence and, and, and you always have to be on edge, you know, on the watch for what could go wrong. Then that, I'm, I'm, I'm sure now, it, it, it had a different, um, it made me a different person, made my, my brain operate differently. So it kind of took me a few years to unwind from that when I moved to Australia and just kind of relax um, about, hey, bad things are not going to happen every five minutes of the day. So, so that, that's, that's been one thing. The other thing as well, I guess I, was, I had different values back then. Being in my 20s, I just wanted career and, 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 and career progression and, and you know, money, I guess, um, different things. Um, so the big shift for me came when I had my first child. I think that was the biggest change that I could see in me. And I was then 32. And that's when, yeah, things just, uh, I just started to feel differently. Um, I just started to feel like what I was doing wasn't that meaningful. Like I couldn't just keep being so impatient and intolerant, obviously, raising a child is a lot about patience and all this love, you know, that, that came out of nowhere. Like I didn't know this feeling before um, until I had him, my first child. So that was a big transition point for me. And that's the first thing that made me question what I was doing with um, my career. And so I was in marketing back then and here in Australia um, because he was, he was born here. And I just started to question myself, like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm selling products to people. And, and what is that doing for anybody? So for me, um, that wasn't an option anymore. So I just wanted to do something more meaningful with my life. And that's where the idea of um, psychology popped along. And I think the universe talks to us in, in really strange ways, because at the time when I was in marketing, I was working with someone at the Sunshine Coast Daily whose father-in-law was a psychologist and he was looking for a person to mentor. And so she mentioned this to me when she realized when I said that I was a psychologist, you know, originally, and she put me in contact with him and that started the ball rolling. So out of nowhere, you know, this um, sign popped along and, and it was him who started mentoring me and, and, um, then I did my accreditation and I, things just started to fall into place. I, 
I found a job working with teenagers, which I was really scared of teenagers um, back then, maybe because my experiences as a teenager weren't that fantastic. So I, you know, this job popped out of nowhere with, without me having any experience. And that was the thing that started it all for me. So um, yeah, it's quite interesting when I think back to it, how things just happen and, and you just need to follow the signs, I guess. Yeah, yep. And I guess just a couple of things on that. You, um, you know, I just want to clarify to anyone listening, you know, Anna wasn't just selling products. She was working for a blue chip company, like one of the food giants, you know. So it's a big shift going from such a huge uh, entity because I think that's in, a, in, a, in and of its own is huge. Do you think working for such a large corporate compared to something like psychology where you have a bit more control over what you do do you think that added to the kind of person you were in Colombia before children as well yeah I guess so and, and also because over there life is very um the best way to describe it is like a rat race you know you you leave you leave your house at six in the morning you end up coming back home at about nine in the evening because you are working 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 and your boss um will look at you funny if you're leaving the office at eight um so that was not an environment uh, my husband and i we decided that was not the environment for us to have kids in so when we got married um because he's british um the the first option was to move to england so we moved to england for four years we were there and that's um i worked for this big foodie company um, in Colombia and got a transfer or, or found my way back into them in, in the UK as well. Um, and even when we decided to move to Australia when I was pregnant and we decided we, we think we want to bring our kids in Australia, bring um, our kids up in Australia, um, I had the possibility of getting a transfer um, from the UK to Australia for this big company. So that was a really difficult decision because I I knew deep down that I did not want to sacrifice time with my soon to be born baby for any job, but it was again, a very, very hard decision to make because, you know, letting go of that opportunity of, of continuing a, a career in marketing. Um, and I could have gone very far mm. in that, in that um that was very difficult very very difficult um decision to make so yeah um, that's when we decided no no i'm gonna just have this baby see how i feel after he's born and see what happens and yeah that was a big change then yeah and i guess for me i'm kind of curious as to um you're right it is such a big decision to go from something that earns really well particularly when you have young children because there's I don't know about you but for me my maternal instinct kicked up a notch where I automatically go you know you just think about the future and how can I provide and all of these things and I'm wondering two things really one what do you think it was about becoming a mother that really shifted things for you and two you know it's not it takes a kind of remarkable person to go, I'm just going to move to England with two young kids or I'm just going to move to Australia when I'm pregnant and I'm just going to change my career. Do, do you think there was anything in your earlier life 
that gave you the resilience or the it's almost like a risk-taking behavior because it's like how did you be bold enough to take that risk because that's not something that everyone would do i can't imagine living in another country with one young child and another one on the way so can you tell tell me a bit more about that I guess um, there's two things when I hear that question, two things that pop into my head. The first one, my parents, um, they did, I think they did an awesome job at teaching me and my brother the, the skill of resilience. You know, we went through really hard times um, growing up in Colombia financially um, speaking and, you know, really difficult times with them um, in the era of um, the drug dealing, um, you know, world in the 90s, the 80s and 90s were particularly difficult times in the country. And my parents have always had this resilient attitude. I remember I had to, I had to work my way to, through uni, you know, to pay for uni because my dad couldn't afford it. Um, and my parents were never the parents to kind of give, give us everything that we wanted. Um, yeah. They would always have this message of well you you want this then how about you work for it what can you do to to earn it and to work for it and even though back then I would be resentful to to them because other friends for example would get everything that they wanted I am now extremely grateful to them because um, that meant that I just you know whenever I I have a challenge. I just, the only way I see is grab it by the horns and just, just face it. Um, so I think that um, the other thing they did, which was amazing and I'm forever grateful is they had the vision of sending us to bilingual schools back then. Mm -hmm. So I was born in the seventies and um, there wasn't that um, culture of teaching your kids another language back then, but they had the vision to, to put us in bilingual schools and, English, um, learning English from a very young age has been an amazing tool for me to be able to move to a different country and with a with a less of a load on my shoulders because at least I had the language and um, so that that I have to thank them for that. And the other thing I guess with the moves between countries is my husband. He has been a very grounding influence um, in my life because if I was the anxious one, he was always the it'll be okay, it'll be fine. Um, so he's always been giving that message in the background of don't worry about it, we'll just, you know, if, if there's a problem, we'll, we'll deal with it when we come to it. Um, so I think those two variables have really helped me a lot. And then I, I kind of, after 20 years of living with my husband, I guess um, it's rubbing on me the it'll be okay, it'll be fine, it always works out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I guess let's well let's jump into redesign then so um so with redesigning it's it's funny that you mentioned that because obviously that that is part of the Australian culture is it'll be right like she'll be right type thing um so it sounds like maybe you've inherited that a little bit um and I guess I'm, I'm curious as well, when you moved to Australia, obviously you had a job opportunity in the UK for both of you. So that was one initiative to move over there and he's from there. Did you know anyone in Australia? Did you have friends or family here when you decided to just up and move here with two young kids? Yeah, so we knew that Colombia was not an option for us to raise kids. And then we knew that England wasn't an option either. Um, 
we just didn't want to raise kids um, back in the UK. We felt it was really crowded and the lifestyle was not that um, fantastic. And we would have had to put the baby in daycare from like week six and I would have had to go back to work. So um, we didn't want to do that. My mother-in-law, so Tony's mom lives here. Mm -hmm. um, so then we thought, okay, Australia is an opportunity. And at the time they were looking for engineers here in Australia. My husband is an engineer. So it was, his profession was at the top of the, of the list. Um, so he decided to do his accreditation. And again, you know, going back to those signs from the universe, out of nowhere, Department of Main Roads was recruiting for engineers and they actually traveled to the UK to interview people. And um, he applied, he got the job and they transferred us over here. So it's just like all the pieces just you know, um, seemed to fall into place. And again, it was a very difficult decision because I was four months pregnant and, you know, do we move or do we stay? I'm halfway through a pregnancy, very tricky, but it was one of those things that we were like, we, we can't let this opportunity go because when does this ever happen? And it is happening. So we just have to take it and, and do it. Yeah. Um, so that's how we ended up here in Australia. And I'm so glad we did because this is an amazing place, wonderful place to live in. Yeah, and it sounds like you in yourself feel more like yourself here than you did back home, which is interesting, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, I know. So my values kind of align more to the values of the Australian culture. You know, I like, I like things to be organised, I guess, and... In Colombia, everything is very chaotic. I like um, I like people to be nice to one another. I'm not saying that in Colombia people are not nice. They're beautiful, beautiful people, beautiful country, beautiful food. But there's lots of issues in in the country that that make things harder, I guess. So um, people here are so polite, and I remember I almost, you know crashed the first time I was driving my car and somebody actually stopped in their car to give me way and they're like waving no you go ahead and I'm like what <laughs> when does it ever happen that people are so kind and so nice and they take turns you know in the line for everyone to so I love that aspect of the culture as well that that's mm -hmm. society that it's all about thinking about your next door neighbor you know it's beautiful well and I also yeah, and I also think, just to give people some context, again, listeners who have some context, who might not have the same experience of Australia, um, Anna is beautiful enough to live in uh, a beautiful part of Queensland at the Sunshine Coast, and I think that area of the world is very aligned with that, and most of Australia is, but I think as soon as you head into an urban centre like you know Brisbane or Sydney or Melbourne or Perth or wherever um, yeah the lifestyle changes and that same fast-paced chaotic lifestyle that you're describing in Colombia um, it manifests here maybe in a more organized way but it still does yeah I think so it, it I, definitely in a more organized way and and I think in a more um how do I say this? Like, um, there's more a concept of society. Like, there is a concept here in Australia, where whether it is in urban or suburban places, about my what I do is going to have an impact on other people. So I need to be considerate of others. 
so even if you're in a city, I think that that's still very much a value in the Australian culture. And I really love that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I, and I guess while we're on this redesign part of things, you know, what, what tools do you think you use to, to make your life better and sort of take those leaps of faith and to, to make things aligned? Because I think the other thing I heard you say a couple of times in this conversation is around those signs from the universe, you know, um, I, I, my own personal growth journey, I've come to a place where I've noticed the signs. But again, when I was in my 20s, I was just in my own world. I was very egotistical in the early 20s too. I just was so oblivious to all of that. And now I have tools to help me get to that place. So, you know, I use reflection a lot. I use meditation. Um, I have grounding practices so that I'm more aware of when I'm out of sync and in sync. What what tools do you use, and and have you gotten support or guidance along the way from any, um, you know, yeah, again, fellow psychologists or social workers? What do you use? Mm. So again, talking about those signs, right? I think that psychology came to my life at the right spot. So in my 30s, when I had my first child and I got into this world of psychology and I started learning um, all this information and learning about the mind and how the brain works. And so I've acquired a lot of those strategies that I have read about and that I preach or not preach, but that I use in my sessions with clients, you know, and it all boils down to living in the present moment, you know, and that mindful approach because um, living in the future brings anxiety, living in the past brings depression, living in the present, the present is the only thing that we have some control over and that, you know, um, so I think I use that a lot, um, that mindset of enjoy even the challenges and even the hardship that you're experiencing right here right now and what can I learn from it you know even in the most challenging times of my life what can I learn from it and what have I gained from this so my second son he was born at 29 weeks gestation so it was really that that was probably one of the hardest times in my life he um he was in hospital for nine weeks. The first week he contracted septicemia and he almost died. Um, he was discharged with reflux and chronic respiratory conditions. Um, so for a long time, for two years after his birth, we didn't know what life was gonna be like for him. Um, so that was a very, very difficult time. And if I think about that, what, what I did to help me through was just relying on people. So um, again, my mom came over and she was here for three months and she was really um, helping me, um, relying on, I remember at the time, I, I'm not a religious person, but I'm a, a spiritual person. And at the time in hospital, I met a lady who was the, um, like an Anglican pastor and she would, go into the hospital, to the neonatal unit and, and talk to parents. And, and she was amazing. So she was um, somebody that I really um, relied upon and I would be talking to her on a daily basis. And um, yeah, she really helped me a lot. So talking to people, relying on the people that you love is very important. And again, just, ha just having that mentality that everything is going to be okay. Because you know what, if I look back at my life, even the hardest points everything has turned out to be okay maybe not in the way that i've expected it or wanted it to be but it has been okay 
you know, and, and we can survive it. Um, cause that's the thing we feel like we can't survive it, but we can, everything right. is survivable. Um, not easy and very hard, but you know, there's no other option, right? When, when hardship happens, you just have to keep moving. Cause what, what's the other option? There's no other option. Um, yeah. so yeah, a lot of mindfulness, I guess. And just mindset reshifting, shifting that mindset, um, into, into finding the helpful way of looking at things. Cause there's always two ways of looking at things, the helpful and the unhelpful way. And the choice is ours really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what an amazing journey. I think that's just wild. And it, it's interesting that you went through, um, such a hard time very soon after you came to Australia, going through all of that with your son um, in the hospital soon after Australia. I, you know, there's part of me that wonders what would have happened if that was back in Colombia or the UK where you were still marketing and still in a very different mindset, a different place, you know, you might not have got through that period, you know, not, it's not easy regardless, but as easy, you, do you know what I mean? And again, you know, if I think about that, I was probably in the right place to have a premature child, you know, um, because, yeah, I cannot imagine that I would have been able to um, to stay with him for as long as I did if we were living in the UK. And I know that the medical system in Colombia is not... Um, you know, is not as capable as the medical system here. So having a premature child over there would have been very, very difficult. Um, so yeah, so if I look back at it, you know, yes, I had a premature child and it was really, really difficult, but I probably had him at the right place, right time, you know, and um, yeah, that improved the chances of his survival and he's amazing now and he, he has no issues of any sort, which is quite, you know, unbelievable. Uh, but I'm sure that if he had had some issues resulting from his prematurity, well, we would have had to deal with them because again, there's no other choice, right? You just, you do, you deal with what is, what's in front of you. That's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just think you're amazing. You know, I always think you're amazing. So I guess <laughs> before we jump in, so the, the last part we're going to talk about is realign. And so um, after going through this journey, what is life for you now? So life like for you now? So, you know, um, like what's your current joy and happiness and success story? So it's, I guess this section, I really going to kind of want to know, what do you do now to stay on track, to stay calm and clear and content? And um, yeah, you know, talk, talk to me more about that. I guess um, if I think back to when I was younger, I was always focused on what is it that I don't have and how can I get what I don't have? So I want the bigger house and I want the bigger car or I want the better career or I want the bigger holidays, you know? Now it's a very different mindset. I don't focus on what I don't have. I actually focus on what I do have. So, um, you know, at times when, sometimes my husband will be like oh we have outgrown our house you know our house is too small for us and we need more space and i'm like well you know what 
maybe, but we have a beautiful house and um, whether it's big or small, we built it and we have created memories in it. And it is so much better than what I have ever dreamed of or what I ever dreamed of before. So even though it's not, you know, a mansion or anything, you know, it's my house and I love it. And um, I choose, because it's a choice, right? I choose to see the things that, that, I'm grateful for. That's the other thing, gratitude. I've learned a lot about uh, uh, gratitude. And if you look at research on gratitude, um, it really helps our mental um, state and it really helps us um, reduce emotional vulnerability. So being grateful for what you've got. Um, so saying it out loud or thinking it, you know, I'm so grateful for my dog. I'm so grateful for my house. I'm so grateful for my family, for the food that I'm eating. Um, and that approach and just enjoying, enjoying every moment. I love to dance. So you know, I'll dance to Zumba on YouTube every morning and I just love it. And I, you know, it's just about enjoying the present moment. Again, you know, we go back to that mindful approach. It's about enjoying the present moment. And of course I have shitty days. I mean, who doesn't, right? We all have, we all have shitty days, but then in those days, it's about just reset and how am I going to deal with this? Okay. So let's adopt a problem solving approach. Of course, feel the emotion the anger or the frustration or whatever it is but then move on because that emotion is not going to last forever it's just going to be short term and then when you look back at it it's like oh you know it wasn't as bad as i was thinking yeah um yeah well yeah i guess that's that's my approach now and it's what i'm trying to tell my kids don't don't sweat the small stuff really it's such a waste of energy I did it for so many years um, and it's just not worth it. So I think they were both today, they were both um, um, having a bit of a, of a challenging time because they have cross country today and they're like, Oh, I hate cross country. I hate my <laughs> You know, and I'm like, okay, well, the fact is you have to do it right. Cause, cause you have to do it. I mean, it's cross country day and nobody gets an exemption. And I'm certainly not going to write a note for you to get out of cross country. Um, so you have to do it. So how can you make it more pleasurable for you? You know, what can you do? How can you look at it from a different perspective so that you make the most of it? Can you set yourself a personal goal, a personal challenge? You know, if you came 10th last year, can you set yourself a goal of coming, I don't know, ninth or another number this year? Can you run with a friend? Can you um, enjoy the butterflies in your tummy when you're going to start the, the um, cross country and and think about the people who don't have able legs who would love to be able to do a cross country so um you know enjoy your body move your body and and run and and don't have any high expectations just just do your best but try and make it as pleasurable as you can because the other option is being miserable about the fact that you have to cross country and being miserable for the whole day and so is it worth it you know yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fantastic advice. I absolutely love that. And I guess um, just for your knowledge as well. So when we release this podcast, the value of the month. So every month um, at Savasana Collective, we do a value of the month and a thought of the month. It's just a way to try out different values and different thoughts and just find what works for you. Because I find um, 
as you say, like having some grounding practices like mindfulness and gratefulness are often linked to part of our values um, as well. So I think that, that that's fantastic. And so I feel that your story epitomizes the next coming uh, value and thought, which is that so the value of the month for October is courage because Halloween's coming up and we have to face our fears. So I thought courage would be really good. So courage is the value. And the thought of the month is saying no is actually saying yes. And I think you can take that in a number of ways. It's very vague, but in your story, I feel as though you said no to a job that you didn't like. You said no to a lifestyle that wasn't working for you because there was something innately, you knew there was something better. And in the end, it was end, ended up being a yes for you because you live in a beautiful place of the world, in a, in a place that feels aligned with you, in a way that feels aligned with you, in a profession that feels aligned with you. Um, I just think you epitomise that. What do, what do you think? Um, I guess, yeah, the saying no, I hadn't thought about it that way, but you've, you've raised a really good point. Saying no and linking that to why am I saying no? Is it the result of fear or is it the result of listening to my wise mind? And, you know, when you look at um, the concept of wise mind, which every human has the capability of reaching that, that wise point in, or that wise place inside of them everybody has that capacity but it's about training ourselves to doing it so i guess i was never aware of my wise mind until probably you know until now that i have read about wise mind and what it is and it's that gut feel i don't know it's so hard to explain but it's that gut feel that kind of tells you that saying no in a particular moment of your life even though it it feels really scary it's actually the right thing for you to do, yeah? Um, and I guess now that you've brought that up, if I think of, yeah, yeah, saying no to that blue chip company job or saying no to the country that I left behind that I loved so much and that I have my family and friends still over there, saying no was really hard, but it was probably coming from that place of wise mind that um, it was not the right thing for me and I had to move on to a different place. Um, so yeah, I guess I, I can, um, agree with that saying no. So saying no, is it anxiety? Um, in which case push yourself, you know, um, because say no to fear, basically, if you're scared of something well, you need to face it because you, I read something the other day, great things come from stepping out of comfort zones. And that's the thing we don't know what greatness can come until we actually put ourselves in that position and try whatever it is that we are fearful of yeah and in most cases i see it with my clients i see it with myself i see it with the people i know in most cases when you put yourself out of your comfort zone great things come i, I can't think about a time when it hasn't been the case yeah Every time we try something new, we get something great in return, even if it's a learning and experience. Um, so yeah, I guess that saying no, it sounds really cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna adopt that in my professional practice. Oh, 
Very good. Well, I guess just to summarise this little conversation we've had today, um, it sounds like you've had such a journey and thank you for sharing that with me. Um, but really key things are being present through those, those moments. Like you say, being present, having a practice of mindfulness was important, um, gratefulness, and then, to, you know, putting your feelers out to the universe and, and actually listening to those signs, which, you know, psychology is a very science-based profession. And so sometimes when we talk about the spiritual side of the biopsychosocial spiritual model, people find it hard to talk about, but it is so true. You have to listen for those signs because I actually was rereading re Brene Brown's um, Gifts of Imperfection, because it's the 10-year anniversary, actually. And um, again, she said, wholehearted living has that aspect of spirituality. And people who live, who have pure joy, they practice gratefulness. But gratefulness also comes from a spiritual side of going, I'm in alignment with everything around me. And I'm listening to what it's telling me because my gut is based off all the information it's coming in and then back out again. So I think you've just done that beautifully. And you've, you're an epitome, an example of when you are mindful, grateful, and you listen to the signs, to your gut and to the universe, what an amazing life you can live. So again, thank you, Anna, for being on today. And um, I can't wait. I'm hoping we can do another interview sometime. So you leave it with me. And thank you so much for today. No, thank you. Okay, thanks. So wasn't that just an amazing chat? So let's get into the summary. Let's summarize what Anna spoke about. I guess redefining moments for her were becoming a mum, living in Australia, and then having a premature child. Um, and also, you know, growing up in Colombia during a time where there was a lot of crime and violence, you know, and saying how there was a lot of anger and anxiety in an environment like that. So that's hugely uh, redefining. So I just thought, sharing those moments was amazing. And then again, talking about practices of mindfulness and gratefulness. Um, as you heard, I'm rereading Brené Brown's Gifts of Imperfection because it's the 10-year anniversary. And again, she differentiates between happiness and joy, with joy being that really core balancing emotion that feels you grounded compared to happiness where that's associated with, you know, events like this thing made me happy as opposed to joy as this constant underlying thing. And the research showing that people who have joy in their life practice things like gratefulness and say it out loud and have mindfulness and have that aspect of spirituality. And again, spirituality meaning doesn't have to be God or um, you know, a universal belief, but having beliefs about why we're here and what's our purpose and um, how we should treat each other and how we should live is very grounding. So I think Anna just exemplified all of these amazing things and the value of courage and the thought of saying no means saying yes. You know, when she said no to certain jobs or certain countries or certain people, 
She said yes to herself, yes to her, yes to her life and yes to what she wanted. And the universe made it happen. Do you see how those little moments of uh, insight led her there? So if you love this podcast, obviously, please share it with your friends, um, share it with your family, get in contact with us, let us know. You can find us at savasanacollective.com. So S-A-V-A-S-A-N-A collective.com and the same handle on Instagram, which is our main social media platform. All right. Cannot wait to hear what you think of the episode and we will see you next time. Bye everyone.